it, and I trust He's been helping you as we go through this study of the Word of God, and trust that God's been helping you with this. Joshua chapter number 5, begin reading this morning in verse number 13. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword, with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Listen now, art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on fell to the earth and did worship. Said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Let's go, Lord, once again in a word of prayer. Pray with us and for us this morning, if you would. Our Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Lord Jesus, as we do come before you once again this morning, God, we do thank you, Lord, for the joy that it's already been to be in your house. God, we do thank you, Lord, for what our ears and hearts have already felt. Lord, we do thank you, God, for the songs that were sung. But now, God, as it's come time for the preaching of the Word of God, I pray that, Lord, you take me this morning as your servant. I pray, God, that you hide me behind uh, the cross of Calvary. I pray, God, that you empty me of myself and fill me full of the Spirit of God. Lord, use me as your mouthpiece to declare what you've laid upon my heart for such a time as this. God, you have arranged with everyone that's here, God, you knew before they got here that they'd be here this morning. And I do pray now, may the Word of God go forth in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Bring back the remembrance of those things that you've showed me, God, this week while studying. I pray, God, that you give me liberty, give me power, put a guard about my mouth that I would not say anything you would not have for me to say. But may the sweet Holy Ghost give me utterance to say everything that be pleasing to you. Take now on God and get all the glory and the honor to your blessed name. We love you and thank you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. As you rise, we recall, we've been looking for seemingly last three, four weeks through the book of Joshua and Joshua chapter number five. And we've been dealing with seemingly since the first of the year, uh, preaching on about crossing your Jordan and, and laying hold and possessing what God has in store for you as a child of God. I am thankful this morning that since the day the Lord Jesus saved me, that the Lord Jesus has a work for me to do. And if you're saved this morning, i got good news. God has got a job for you to do as well. Amen? And so we begin to look at taking uh, the possession that God's given you, growing in grace and knowledge of the Word of God, and, and laying hold of those things that God has apprehended all that God has for you to apprehend. Then we become the chapter number 5. And we've been looking through here over the last few weeks. And if you go back and you'll study chapter 5, you'll find that through verses 2 through 9, you'll find that God tells Joshua to take the children of Israel and to give them a mark. You'll study the Word of God. He tells them to go and to circumcise uh, the men in the tribe. He tells them to go and do those things. And we find... 
uh, that that takes place in verses 2 uh, through 9. But then if you look on what we looked at last week, verses 10 through 12, we find that there are the meals. For they, they went back and they did the Passover. Uh, they went back and they remembered what the Passover stood for. Uh, that they remembered back when they were in Egypt in uh, Exodus chapter 12, when God gave that Passover lamb, that shedding of that lamb's blood. And you recall when that death angel was passing by that night, that if he didn't see the blood, the firstborn would die. But I don't remember what would happen when he saw the blood. He said, I will pass over you. And I want to say we see that as a picture, a foreshadow of what was going to happen on bloody Calvary when our blessed blood-stained Redeemer, our heavenly Passover lamb, died in our place. And thank God this morning if you're saved, I'm glad the blood has been applied. And we're listening, it's by the shedding of, without the shedding of blood, uh, there is no remission of sins. I am glad this morning for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we celebrate that Passover, we don't do it now in the sense of accordance to what they did in the Word of God. But it is a meal that reminds us of where Jesus has brought us from. Amen. I'm glad I'm no longer in Egypt. Amen. I'm glad I'm no longer under the old taskmaster, uh, which is the devil. But I'm glad one day my heavenly Moses, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, come to where I was, save me by His grace, and thank God He set me free from the bondage of sin. We see there was the meal. We asked the question, what meal are you eating? Are you eating that meal of Passover? Are you eating that old corn of the land? Are you growing? Are you learning? to walk with God or are you still wanting to eat off of the things of the past let me say to you I'm glad thank God God's got a meal for every one of us this morning amen and so we saw the mark we saw the meal but this morning in a text that we've read I see that there's not the mark the meal but there's the man when we begin to read Joshua 5 and verse 13 through 15 we find in chapter number 6 just a chapter over we find it's going to be one of the greatest battles, if not the greatest battle, in the nation of Israel. We understand if you're familiar with your Bible, chapter 6, we find the battle of Jericho. If you've been in church any amount of time at all, you've heard the battle of Jericho. You know how the walls come crumbling down. But let me just say this this morning, way before there was ever a Jericho that fell, there was a chapter 5 in the children of Israel's lives that prepared them for the Jericho that lied ahead. Can I say too, the reason why I believe there was a chapter 6 in Joshua where Jericho fell because there was a chapter 5 of preparation where God prepared them for the battle that lies just ahead. Now as, this is, as the days are getting closer for the battle of Jericho, we find that Joshua, he's the leader of the nation of Israel. He is taken over after the death of Moses. And we find that the Bible tells us that Joshua goes out and he begins to survey the land. If you read your Bible, verse 13 says this. It said, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. You see what Joshua's doing is, he's doing what every great military leader does. He's going out and he is surveying the land. He is looking at what lies ahead for the children of Israel. I believe as I was thinking about this, Joshua, being the military mind that he is, Maybe Brother Marcus, Joshua's walking out. Brother Paul, he's, maybe he's picking over the hilltop. And he's got his eyes on Jericho. And maybe, maybe he's thinking, you know what? That's a big old wall. That wall surrounds Jericho. I wonder how many ladders we're going to need. I wonder how many, how many men we're going to need to be able to climb this wall. 
they get to archery to stand and where they can shoot their arrow arrows. And I wonder what side would be the best side for us to come in at. No doubt he's strategizing. No doubt he's doing whatever great show leader does. He's looking, he's trying to find out what he needs to do. He's out there meditating. He's pondering on the enemy. He's watching out. He's looking around. Thinking, you know what? What should, what, what should our next step be? See, he's looking around. Now as he's out there watching. As he's out there looking at Jericho. As he's trying to figure out what, what the next marching orders are. What the next steps need to be. How he needs to lead them into battle. As he's walking out there, he looks. He finds a man. The Bible says when he finds this man, he finds this man with his draw, with his sword drawn. So I begin to think about this man. The Bible tells us he was a man that confronted Joshua. For you find the Bible says that when, when this man appeared, he was against Joshua, not against him in the sense of being his enemy, but you'll find that he was a ways away from him. He, they're staring at each other. Here's Joshua standing here, and he's looking at this man with a sword drawn. And the man with the sword drawn is looking at Joshua. And it's almost like, if I can say it like this, in my mind, I'm thinking there's a standoff. I mean, and all of a sudden, Joshua's thinking, I wonder if this is a man from Jericho. I mean, I wonder if this is a man that's for him. And so we find he's got a sword drawn. We just say this, if he's got a sword drawn, business is about to pick up. Amen? Let me say it like this in your red dead language. If he's got his gun loaded and popped, amen, you need to know what he's there for. Amen? And so Joshua begins to look at him. And Joshua says, are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? See, he with this man that Joshua's talking to is a man that is confronting him. But he's not only a man that is confronting him, but when he has his sword drawn, that lets you know that he's there for business. He don't have his sword drawn for just any reason, but he's not only a man that confronted Joshua, we find he's a man there that's there to conquer. See, having his sword drawn lets you know that he's fixing a battle. He's about to go to war. He ain't there to play games. Can I get a witness this morning? He's got a sword drawn. He's there for combat. He's got a sword drawn. He's there for battle. He's got a sword drawn. And we know that there's about to be a battle take place. So Joshua asked a question any man would ask. Are you for us? Or are you for our adversaries? Now, when I ask that question, we all know, if I was to say like this, Brother Donnie, are you for me? Or are you against me? The answer to that question is either yes, I'm for you, or no, I'm against you. Pretty simple, right? Yeah, I'm for you, or no, I'm against you. But you know what this man said? When Joshua, he asked him, he said, are you for us, or are you against us? This is what he says, nay. Oh, no. Well, no what? No, you're, you're for us, or no, you're, you're against us? Which one is it? He just says, nay, no. So I'm sitting here reading this. I'm thinking, what kind of answer is that? He doesn't tell him he's for him. He doesn't tell him he's against it. All it says is when Joshua says, are you for us or are you against it? He just says no. And I begin to say, Lord, why in the world would you do that? And then I got to realize that when I studied this, is we understand when you read about this man, the Bible goes on to call him the Lord of hosts. Do you know who this man is uh, that Joshua was talking to? You want to know who it is? It's a free Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. You mean, hold on a second, preacher. You mean this man that Joshua was talking to is Jesus? That's exactly who he is. You say, well, hold on a second. This happened before Calvary. This happened before Bethlehem. You're exactly right. You do realize this morning that Jesus.
made it. In the beginning, I find that there's God. I find there's Jesus. I find that there's the Holy Ghost. John 1, 1 says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with the Word was with you. Because the Word was. Can I say to you this morning? This is Jesus. Showing up before Bethlehem. This is, this is the first time he's done this so far. You know we don't live in the life of Abraham. Abraham's in his tent. And there comes a traveler walking by. And he goes into that tent and he fellowships with Abraham. You know, and I read also there were Hagar. She's got there with a little boy. And she's not thinking she's going to make it. And all of a sudden Jesus shows up over there. I'm going to say this ain't the last time that Jesus is going to show up before Bethlehem. Because I read somewhere in the Bible where there's three boys going to be thrown in the fire. And they said they looked over in the fire. And this is what they said. They said, we see the three, three men in the fire. But we see four men walking around in the fire. And one is like unto the Son of God. You mean tell you who that was? That was none other than the Lord Jesus. I'm going to and say, I sure am glad that whenever you stand and meet up this morning, I'm glad Jesus will be somewhere in the midst. You see, this is Jesus. But Joshua don't know that. So Joshua's asking, are you for us? Or are you against us? This is what he says. No. No. You know what I got to think about that? The reason why he told me no? This is what he's saying. Joshua, I ain't on your side. And I ain't on their side. I'm on my side. Can I just say it like this this morning? God's the only one that has his own side. Yeah, right. Bill, what he said, Bill's got his side. But he said, this, you're not on God's side, you're on the devil's side. Yeah. There's only two sides this morning. It ain't the nation of Israel's side. It ain't the Amalekite side. It ain't Jericho's side. It's either God's side or it's the devil's side. It's either the narrow way or it's the wrong way. It's either the right way or it's the wrong way. You know what John, you know what the Lord's telling Joshua? I ain't here to take sides. I'm here to take over. Yeah. Amen. Paul said, Lord, when, you mean you showed up? You you're not going to be under the command of Joshua? No. Let me say this Jesus bowed down to no one. Can I get a witness? Uh, Jesus has nobody that's holding him, but hear me, hear me well. When Jesus showed up, he wasn't coming to take sides. He was coming to take over. When I looked at this, I began to, begin to see it in my heart as the Lord was speaking to me on what happens when the Lord takes over. What happens when the Lord takes over? Can I say to you this morning, we need God to take over. In America, we need God to take over. In our country, we need God to take over. In our churches, we need God to take over. Because can I remind you, what we're seeing take place before our very eyes is not what God's doing, but what man is doing. Somebody help me. And what we're seeing this, I understand that thank God God is working. I'm glad we made what devil means for evil. I'm glad God can use for His glory. But hear me and hear me well. We've seen what man can do. Amen. We've seen what man can do. Can I say to you, the reason why we're in the mess we're in is because we're seeing what a man can do. And a man that forgets God, you mark that nation that forgets God, you know the story. You know what we're seeing in this hour? We're seeing people try to do it their way. Remember the old song that I did my way? Well, you know what happens when you do it your way? If the blind meet the blind, they both fall in the ditch. Somebody help me. And can I say to you, what we need in this hour is not a new political party. What we need in this hour is not this or that. What we need in this hour is not a new this or a new that. But what you and I need this morning is the same thing the generations before us needed and the generations before them is we need God Almighty to take His rightful place. We need God to take it. What happens 
when God takes over. I want to say, first of all, when God takes over, I notice here about Joshua, looking at his life of when God took over, I noticed there was the revelation of his purpose. The revelation of his purpose. See, when God shows up to Joshua, he's going to show Joshua why he's there. He's going to show Joshua what he's going to do. You see, the revelation of his purpose is found in this. When he starts talking to Joshua, when Joshua asks him, are you for us or against us? He says, nay. Listen to what he says after that. Verse, Verse 13, he says this, or verse number 14, he said, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come. They told him. He said, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. You see, I, as I thought about captain, I thought about what Hebrews 2.10 says. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain, the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. You know who that's talking about? Who's the captain of our salvation? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So you know what happens when Jesus shows up? He begins to reveal Himself unto, unto Joshua. And Joshua begins to realize why He's there. Why is He there? Well, when He uses the word captain, we see the authority of His purpose. He uses the word captain. He didn't say, I'm one of your comrades. He didn't say, I'm coming to be your, like I said, like this, to be your best friend. He said that I'm the captain. You see, when the Lord comes to take over, He ain't coming to be in a passenger seat. He ain't coming to be a backseat driver. He ain't coming. Listen, if listen, if you're the one still calling the shots, I hate to wait until you. He ain't taking over. Because when He takes over. It's not him saying, what can I do for you? But rather, it's you saying, what can I do for me? See, when he shows up, he reveals himself as what he says. I'm the captain. I'm here to conquer. I'm here to take over. Let me ask you this. What is he teaching this morning? Is he just, is he just somebody that you just call when you need help? There's a lot of people that use him for that. I heard a quote this week, convicted my heart. He said, well, we're, what we're guilty of doing is this. We're guilty of always seeking his hand rather than seeking his face. We're always saying, God give me. God give me. God give me. God give me. Give me, Lord. Give me this. Every time we got a need, that's the only time we ever go to God. But can I say that I'll not be the way it is in a child of God's life, but it ought to be every day that we live. We say, Lord, it's not my will, but time be done. Lord, whatever you have in store for my life today, here I am, I lay my life on the altar. It's not about what I want, but it's about what you want. And when you get to that place in your life, I've got good news then and only then will he be captain of your life. A lot of people like Houston just have a little spare time. This is when they have a bump in the road, they go get them Thank God He is there for our needs. Somebody help me this morning. But hear me and hear me well. When He saved you, He saved you that He might be your Lord. Amen. Listen, He saved us. He just didn't save us so that we could escape hell. Even though I'm glad He did. Can I remind you this one? I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I'm glad, thank God, I'm not going to hell. 
Brother and sister, I'm glad since he saved me, he's been working in my life, conforming me to the image of himself. I'm glad it took the week just to make the move. And the stars are shining out and Jupiter works. But I say it all the time, how faithful he must be because he's still working on me. Yeah. Why is he working on me? To conform me to the image of the death. See, when he's the captain, he's the one that calls the shots. We have a problem right there, don't we? You mean, I can't call the shots? Well, let me say this. When you're seeking his face, he said, they say, when well, the Bible said he'll give me the desires of my heart, oh, that's exactly what the Bible says. But you know what the Bible also says? Seek you first the kingdom of heaven, and such things shall be added. When you start seeking God's face, wait for this, your desires will become his desires. Your heart will align with his heart. And what he don't want you to have, you don't want to have. But what he wants you to have, you'll want to have. Can I say to you what James and Mamas need in this hour? It's not a better book on how to raise kids. It's not a better this or a better that. But we just need to get back on the altar and say, God, whatever it is you have for my family, here we are. Take us and use us. He's the captain. That speaks of his authority. I find this. He said, not only the authority, but I see the area of his purpose. He said he's the captain of the Lord of hosts. If I was to tell you this morning, he's the captain of the Lord of Israel, you'd say amen. Yep. And be exactly right. If I was to say he's the captain of the Lord of the earth, you'd say amen. If I said he's the captain of the Lord of heaven, you'd say amen. But you want to notice what he didn't say in the text? He didn't say the captain of the Lord of the earth. He didn't say captain of the Lord of Israel. He didn't say the captain of the Lord of heaven. They said the captain of the Lord of hosts. You know what he was saying? When he said the Lord of hosts, he said, Joshua, I want you to hear me, hear me well. I'm not only captain right here. I'm not only captain of the earth. I'm not only captain of Israel. I'm not only the captain of heaven, but in all those things, all at the same time. Can I remind you this morning, he's still the very God of heaven. He's still the very God of Israel. He's still the very God of this earth. I'm going to say this. He must be mentality about hell. And we think the devil is in charge of hell. But you know what the Bible says? That God created the hell for the devil and his angels. Hell ain't some little motel place where the devil goes. But there is coming a day when the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire by God Almighty. Can I say it like this? He's the very God of hell. But listen, baby said, whether I see in hell or I see in the house, he said, wherever I go, that's where he is. Can I say to you this morning, we don't serve some little God. We don't serve some man-made God. But I've got to give you this, we serve a God that's seen upon the throne of heaven high and lifted up this morning. And wherever we go, he's still God. He said he's the captain of the host. There's a place over in 2 Kings chapter number 6. We're laughing and we're going out of the battle. And he sends a little lad, he sends a servant out. And the servant goes out and he looks. And he don't see nothing. He goes back. And he tells us, I don't see nothing. And Elijah prays and says, Lord, I pray you open up his eyes that he might see. And that servant goes back out. And all of a sudden, he begins to see the Lord of hosts. He begins to see all those. Blah, 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 blah. He begins to see those armies. And he comes back to Elijah. And he says, Elijah, you ain't going to believe this. There's more for us. There are more people. There's more on our side than there is on their side. Can I remind you this point? It might look like we're in the minority. It may look like there's more going the wrong way than the other way. But I want to remind you this morning, if you guys listen, you guys, if you're on God's side, you're not in the minority. But I've got good news, you're in the majority. Why? Wow, because wherever we go, he's God. 
And there is coming a day where every infidel, every God denier, every God curser, they're going to bow to me. And you know what they're going to declare? That he is the Lord of all. Can I say to you this one? I'm glad as a 19 year old, I went ahead and bowed to me and said he's Lord of all. Rather than doing it on that day, I'm glad I went ahead and did it. It's been a lot better ever since. He's talking about the area, the Lord of hosts. But then I noticed this. He talks about the aim. He said, am I now come? See, why is he just now showing up? Why is he just now revealing himself? Why is he just now coming to where they're at? Well, you know why? Because all in chapter number five, he's giving Joshua orders. He said, Joshua, check the size of me. Joshua said, all right, Lord, I'll do it. He goes out and does what he's supposed to do. Then the Lord says, I want you to keep the Passover. Joshua says, all right, Lord, we'll keep the Passover. Then he talks about when the man ceases. All right, Lord, the man of ceases. I salute to your authority. I mean, this one's been all about what Joshua and the children of Israel have been doing. You want to know something? Now, the Lord showed up saying, Joshua, because you've done your part, I'm going to do my part. See, we're always asking why ain't God doing his part when the reality is, is conditionally, we've not done our part. You know, we always like quote with Chronicles said, it's my people, which are called by man, so humble and self it's my people, and turn with them. We always like this part. Then we hear from and forgive our sin and heal our land. Why ain't God forgiving our sin and heal our land? Because we're not doing that first part there. If my people, which are called by my name, humble and self praise, seek my faith, turn from their wickedness. Then and only then will I. We don't like that part, do we? But you know what God said, Joshua? You've been faithful to your part. You've been faithful to I'm here now to do my part. Ain't you glad, thank God, that we've been faithful to do what we're supposed to do? I want to remind you, God will always be faithful to do what He says He's going to do. He said, Call unto me and I'll answer me. It shall be great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know the reason why we're not seeing great and mighty things? Because we're not calling unto Him. And up to this point, Joshua's been doing what he's supposed to do. He's been setting up memorials, he's been stepping, he's been walking, he's been doing. He's been following God's leadership. And now God says, hey, he says, hey, Joshua, you've been a good job. Go ahead and hop in the back seat. I'm here to take over now. Can I just say this? He can get more done in a second than you can in a whole lifetime. You know why you need to be reminded of that? Because this world has so pumped in our mind that he's some little puny God. That he's something this or he's something that. But I want to remind you, he's still the very God of that Bible. And thank God he can still do what it is that he wants to do. But he has made himself, listen, he has made himself to do conditional. That we'll do our part. Exactly my part. And I say to you, his, his reasoning for showing up, his reasoning for being there, was he said, Lord, now can I come? Done your part. I'm going to do my part. Let me say this. There's a revelation of His purpose. Can I say to you this morning, you know the reason why we need God to take over? In chapter number 6, there's going to be walls that need to fall. We need God to take over because there's some wars that are going to be fought. We need God to take over because there's some ways we need to find. And we need God to take over because there's going to be some wickedness that we're going to have to face. And the only way we're going to make it 
if we're going to have God take over. Can I tell you, only God's the one that can tear down walls like He does. Only God can give us the victory. Only God can show us the way. And only God can give us the endurance to face the weakness that we're having to face. The only then and only then, when, it's when He takes over, will we be able to see that happen. You see the purpose, the revelation of His purpose, but then notice this, when He reveals Himself unto Joshua. Look what, jo- look what Joshua does. When the Lord reveals Himself, you know what the Bible says? And Joshua fell on his face. Hold your breath. You ready for this? And worship Him. Fell on his face. And he worshipped Him. You know why he worshipped Him? Because when He revealed Himself unto him, and Joshua realized whose presence he was standing in, Joshua said, I'm not just standing in anybody's presence. But I'm standing in God's presence. And you know what he did? We see the reverence of his person. He bows down his face to the earth and begins to worship him. See, this ain't the only time this happens in Bible in the Bible. I found that when John was on the Isle of Patmos and the Lord revealed himself unto him on the Isle of Patmos, you know what John said? And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Thought about Paul on the road to Damascus. Saul. Bible says in Acts 22, 6 and 7, Suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. And I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me. Remember when Isaiah, chapter number 6, when he said, When the year the king was died, I saw the Lord. How I lifted up his train filled the temple. See, chapter number 5, Isaiah's been talking about everybody else's sins. But when chapter 6 and Isaiah sees the Lord, this is what Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm wicked. I'm ungodly. Let me just say this. When you get in the real presence of God, you ain't going to be talking about everybody else's sin. You're going to be talking about your own sin. I ain't got two cents for anybody that says they get in the presence of God and all it does is make them uh, call out everybody else's sin but it don't make them deal with their own sin in their own life. That's right. Say, amen or own me, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, amazing. Everybody else can point out everybody else's problems. It's amazing. They got an answer for everybody else, but they don't know how to fix their own problems in their own life. Come on, now you better say, you know what I'm telling you right this morning. They know how to fix everybody else. But they don't know how to fix their own self. But you mark it down today, but when you get in the presence of God, you know what you're going to be finding out? You're going to be following your face and say, I'm not worthy to be in your presence. You're the God of glory. I'm not worthy. And you know what Joshua does? He worships him. Dreaming this week. See, this battle of Jericho is going to be what some have called the greatest battle in Joshua's life. But it's not the first battle. You go back to Exodus chapter number 17. You're going to find Joshua's down on the battlefield and he's fighting. Moses is up top on the mountain. And God says this to Moses. As long as your hands are raised, they'll, they'll be victorious. But when your hands fall, they're going to lose. Remember what happened? Aaron heard got up on the side. held up his hand. And her held up his hand. And they saved Moses' hand. And Joshua was down there on the battle. See, Joshua don't know what's going on up there in the mountain. Only thing Joshua knows is, is we're winning. Only thing Joshua knows is, we're victorious. Uh, Joshua, but little does Joshua know, there's an unseen army that's fighting down there that day. Joshua don't see all that. He don't know what's going on in that mountain. Hear me. But you know what's going on in the <laughs> 
You get home and read Exodus 17. This is what the Bible closes out by saying. He tells Moses, this is, I want you to rehearse this day in the ears of Joshua. He says, here on out, I want you every day, I want you to rehearse this in the ears of Joshua. So think about this. After that battle, you know what Moses says? Hey, Joshua, come into my tent. We're going to have a Bible study. All right, what are we going to talk about today, Joshua? Moses, I want to tell you about what took place on that battlefield. See, you thought it was you that did it. But the Lord was the one fighting your battles. There was the unseen soldier that was fighting your place. See, we think we do it. But little we know there's a God that's working behind the scenes. All things together for us good. It wasn't you that gave you the victory, honey. It's God Almighty that done it. Joshua said, they said, Joshua, we're going to tell you today that I want to remind you about what happened back on that battlefield. So for all that time, they've been rehearsing. Now all of a sudden, when Joshua is standing before me, he said, I'm the Lord of hosts. I imagine Joshua's heart called to get him. Whoa! You mean, you're the one Moses was telling me about. You're the one that showed up in that first battle. You mean it's really you? You mean it's really you that gave you the victory? And you know what I believe Joshua, he realized that. You know what Joshua did? He fell on his face and worshipped because he realized had it not been for you, I'd never be at where I am right now. You don't know what worship is this morning. Praise is when you thank God for what he has done. And we all say this, we all ought to praise God for what he has done. But you know what worship is? Worship is not when you praise God for what he's done. But worship is when you worship God for who he is. So we, we have a hard time getting people to praise God for what he's done. And I have a hard time believing if you're not praising God for what he's done, I'd be, if I was a betting man, I'd say you're probably not worshiping God for who he is. But they say that word worship comes from that word worth. Other words, You'll worship whatever means, whatever worth a lot to you. Whatever is worth something to you, you're allowed to worship it. You know the reason why people don't worship God like they should? Because they don't mean much to them. But when you realize that what you got served is by the good hand of God, a preacher won't have to pump the time to get you to worship Him. When you realize the only reason why you got that family, it's because there's been a God that smiled down upon your life. When you realize that though your worst days, and it seemed like everything was falling apart, and here you are this morning, and you say, I don't know how I made it. I don't know how I got to where I am. Look, did you know there was an unseen soldier? There was an unseen hand that was leading you through those valleys? That was leading you to where you are. The reason why that we can worship God in the worst days of our life is because not for what He's done, but rather because of who He is. And whether it's rain or sunshine, God still God. He reverenced him. When's the last time you just got on your face and said, God, I want to thank you. Not for what you've done, but for who you are. Then he got down to this right here. I'm done. He says this. Listen to what he says. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant. You see, when he started worshiping him, once he, once he started worshiping Brother Donnie, this is what he says, Lord, what do you have for me to do? What do you have for me to do? He said, I want you to take your shoe off your foot from the, the ground where you're standing. Pull me. This may not do anything for you, but this helped me. They got to remember somewhere in Moses' life. Moses heard somebody talking out of the burning bush. 
And so Moses would take the shoes off the feet of the ground where you shall not hold the ground. Remember what Exodus and Joshua 1 said, As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Joshua was taking that sand along with his foot. You see that ground that he was standing on was hard ground. Yeah. Rough ground. Imagine it's probably uncomfortable when he took that sand along. But you know what? God can take hard ground and make it holy ground. God can make something difficult turn around and make it something beautiful. Only God can do that. This is what Joshua says. Here I am, Lord. Remember Isaiah when he got in front of God and said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Remember when Paul got saved on that road to Damascus and asked the Lord what he wanted to do? Remember what Jesus said? Our Lord and Savior? Not my will, but thine be done. What is he asking you to do this morning? Or can I say it like this? May not be what he's asked you to do. Or maybe he's asked, maybe something in your past that he's asked you to do that you're trying to bypass. You're trying to find a detour around it. You're trying to go over it, under it, or around it. God's telling you, I want you to go through it. See, we want God to take over. But we want God to take over on our account. And not until we get to the place where we say, not our will, but thine be done. When you get to that place in your life, I promise you this, your marriage will change. Your home will change. Your life will change. Our church will change. Our walk with God will change. Our job will change. You may not get a new job on Monday. I tell you this, when God says so, you won't get me, I ain't saying you're going to get a new job, but I can't keep your job and get a new employee. When God takes over your husband, Rick, this ma'am, when God takes over, your husband will get a new life. Oh, my goodness, you need to get somebody to know. But it'll change your walk. Sir, when you get a when you get a walk with God and God takes over, your wife will get a new husband. So you say, Pray, God, I can find a way to get rid of her. No, but you'll be a new person. You see, as long as you try to do it your way. You keep doing what you've always done. You're going to keep getting what you've always got. But if you want something different, you've got to be willing to do something different. Let me ask you this morning. Have you ever come to a place in your life? We said, God, here I am. 